This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, this centurion is different because he comes to the Jewish Messiah for help, and he realizes the truth that the Lord told another Gentile in John 4.22, when he, the Lord said, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. This centurion is different, because he realizes that salvation is of the Jews. So the centurion has stopped the Lord from coming to his house, because he's not worthy, and he says, I'm not worthy, thou should enter into my roof, in verse eight, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. He's different because he believes in the power of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Literally in the Greek it reads, only say with a single word and it will be done. Now, others thought, no, it's necessary for the Lord to be present for healing. I mean, the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, 25, she says, a certain, it says, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. I don't think things have changed very much nowadays, but anyway, she heard of Jesus come into the press behind him and touched his garment. She said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall behold. She thought it was necessary to touch the hem of his garment. Martha, who was the brother of Lazarus, and when he died and he was dead, and then the Lord came there to Bethany in John eleven twenty one. John eleven twenty one. then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. She thought it was necessary for the Lord to be there for to keep her brother from dying. The nobleman, the nobleman who had a son, he was dying, he said, in John 4.49, John 4.49, the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. He believed it was necessary for the Lord to come to his child, otherwise he's gonna die. 
And you remember about the friends of the invalid man, how they, they said, we gotta get him in front of the Lord. So they took the roof apart, because they couldn't get into the house, and then lowered him down there. It says in Mark 2, 4, when they could not come in nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lies. See, they all thought, I gotta get close to the Lord. They gotta get the sick person by the Lord. Now, it's easy to follow the thinking of others. It's necessary for the Lord to be present, for a person to be healed. It's just not easy to do something that no one else believes, but that's why this centurion was different, because he believed it was not necessary for the Lord to be present to heal his servant. He believed that all the Lord had to do was just speak a word and he'd be healed. And he believed that the Lord was the one from Genesis 1.3, Genesis 1.3, where it says, and God said, let there be light and there was light. You see, he believes in the power of the word. He believes that all he has to do is the Lord just have to say, let the servant be healed, and the servant would be healed, just like with the light in Genesis 1-3. That's why I read the passage about the Jewish leper being healed, because it comes before this account of the Roman centurion, because the Jewish leper said in Matthew 8-2, behold, there came a leper worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. See, if thou wilt, thou canst. That's the opposite of the man in Mark 9.22. In Mark 9.22, where he was telling him about his son, he said, Austin, cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then Jesus turned around and said, Jesus said unto them, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him to believe. In other words, it's not a case of whether I can do anything, it's a case of whether you can believe. If thou wilt is the opposite of if thou canst. If thou wilt is the language of belief. If thou canst is the language of unbelief. So the centurion is altogether different. He's different because he knows the powers of nature, the powers of disease are all under the power of the Lord Jesus. He knows that. That's what amazed the disciples. In Mark 4.37, when there, Mark 4.37, when there was that great storm on the lake and the waves beat into the ship, so it was now full, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So the centurion know, he, he knew what manner of man this was. He knew that all the powers of nature and disease are under his control. And the centurion then explains why he knew that it was not necessary for the Lord to come to his house. He says in verse nine, because I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, he goes, come, he comes, do this, he does, does it. He's different because he believes that the angels are under the authority of the Lord Jesus, and they do instantly what, he's command, what they're commanded to do. Now, when the Lord heard that, he was just astounded. The word is marveled. He marveled, it says in verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to, him, said to them that followed, now picture this, said to them that followed him, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. The Lord admired this man's faith. He honored him. He marveled at his great faith, which, by the way, is another reason why Calvinism is so wrong, which teaches that faith 
is the gift of God and comes from, comes from God and doesn't come from man. I mean, if this centurion's faith came from God, then why would God marvel at, his, at, at the man's faith? Faith comes from man, and God rewards man for his faith. Man is not a robot but, the, but ha, that has faith only because God gives him faith. Anyway, I digressed, sorry. Now, there are two times in the Bible where it says that Jesus marveled. The Lord Jesus marveled. This is one of them in the centurion's faith, and the other one is the total opposite, where it says in Mark 6, 6, Mark 6, 6, he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about the village's teaching. So when we see the Lord marveling here, it brings us really to the core of the personality of the Lord Jesus. What makes him happy? What makes him happy? It says in Hebrews 11.6, Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith pleases God. And we're gonna see a little bit later what faith really is. Now, we read that everything seems to stop for this brief intermission. It's like kind of conversing, albeit through others, with the centurion, now it all stops when it says in verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed. So now he's turning to the group. Verily I stand to you, have not found so great faith. So here the Lord seems to just put the centurion's request on hold for a little bit. And he takes this opportunity to start to teach the crowds, to bring out an important teaching about Jewish and Gentile people. As he says, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Now, he uses the word found. He uses the word found, which shows that he's looking for it. He's looking for this faith. Imagine that. He's saying here, with no man have I found so great faith in Israel. This Gentile, he's telling people, look, this Gentile centurion here, he has surpassed all in Israel. Now, can you imagine for a moment what the disciples were thinking? when he said, I have not found so great faith in Israel. No, not in Israel. And they would be thinking, hey, we're a part of Israel. <laughs> that, may, that must include us. <laughs> it's just said he hasn't found that kind of faith in us. What does that mean? That means that the faith of this centurion surpassed the faith of the disciples. And they had the privileged position there. And they were being next to the Lord. The centurion wasn't called to be a disciple. He wouldn't even come to him. But he has a greater faith than the disciples. This centurion is different because it's not just faith. He has great faith in verse 10. Now, what was this great faith? What was this great faith that the centurion had? As we look at this, this allows us to see what faith is. Because as we look at the centurion, we can now say there's another word that we can use for faith. And it fits. It's a fabulous word. And it's the word confidence. Confidence. This centurion was different because he had a great confidence in the Lord. That was his great faith. His great faith was his great confidence in the Lord. You know, it's the same like if you go to a surgeon, you're going to go have a surgery, and you say something like, I have, doctor, I have confidence in you, which means I'm not gonna worry about the surgery because I have confidence in the surgeon. Now, that's what great faith is. It's confidence in the Lord. Okay, so you're gonna have the surgery, you're there in the hospital, and the night before the surgery, you're just sitting, you're worrying. 
you're just sitting there worrying. And you're saying to yourself, the surgeon comes in, he hears you saying to yourself, I wonder if he's going to remember to operate on the right side. I won't be there to, tell, to make sure I'll be out. I wonder if he's going to leave any sponges in me. I wonder if he ties sutures tight enough and they're not going to burst inside of me, you know. And now the surgeon, if he's hearing this outside your door, and you go, he's just going to say, he just doesn't have confidence in me as a surgeon. Well, in the same way, if we go about and we worry and we say, I wonder if God's really going to take care of me. I wonder if God's really going to let something terrible happen to me. I wonder if God's going to let me get hurt really, really badly. Then like the surgeon, the Lord comes to the conclusion, he just doesn't have confidence in me as God. Worry is not faith. Now, in other words, the Lord would say, he doesn't have confidence. He doesn't have faith in me. Now, let's plug in this word confidence in verse 10. And what do we come out? And then it says, verse 10, I have not found such great confidence in Israel. No confidence in the Lord Jesus. This centurion was different because he had such a great confidence in the Lord. He believed, he was so confident in the Lord's ability that he believed that the Lord could heal his servant from a distance without even being by his servant. This centurion had confidence in the Lord's ability to be God and order angels to do the work of healing. Now, he says, no, not in Israel. He says, I haven't found such great faith. No, not in Israel. Now, the word Israel is made up of two words, prince, sar, and God, el. And so, when you talk about Israel, you're talking about prince of God. Those are the two words make it up. And so it's really referring to a natural birthright of the Jewish people as the prince of the king, the prince of the king. Now, the centurion, he was not of the seed of Abraham. In other words, physical seed. But he was a child of Abraham. And the difference between, and you say, what are you talking about? No, and the Lord was speaking to them, and he says, I know, speaking to his enemies, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you're not Abraham's children, okay, because Abraham wouldn't do what you're trying to do, which is kill me. And this is also picked up by the Apostle Paul in Romans 9-7, Romans 9-7, where he said, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So there's this difference between the seed of Abraham and the children of Abraham. The Jewish people who rejected the Lord, the Lord Jesus, they were the seed of Abraham, but they were not the children of Abraham. This centurion who had great confidence in the Lord, he was not of the physical seed of Abraham, but he was a spiritual child of Abraham. And some Christians, I don't know why, but they want to know if they're maybe part Jewish in this or they're trying to find that out. You know, Faith is better than birth as we see in the case of this centurion. Now we see a great description of the saved in verse 11. Saved Gentiles, saved Gentiles in verse 11. I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So this is a great description of saved Gentiles. They come to the Lord like another hymn. We come, O Christ, to thee, true son of God and man. This is what infuriated the Jewish leaders who rejected the Lord is when he said to them in Luke 4.27, Luke 4.27, many lepers were in Israel in the time of uh, Elijah, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. 
that really angered them. So whether they were Jew or they're Gentile, the Lord brings them, as it says in Hebrews 2.10, Hebrews 2.10, he brings many sons to glory. Now, when we read about this many sons coming to glory, when we read about in, in verse 11, many shall come from the east and the west, this many, this many, that makes us think of Matthew 7.21, another many, Matthew 7.21, where he said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I will say, profess to them, I never knew you. What is the difference between this centurion who represents the many that come to the Lord versus Matthew 7, the many who come to the Lord and are rejected? Here it is. The centurion represents the many who come to the Lord who say, I am not worthy. Color me DRS, dirty, rotten sinner. I'm not worthy. That's what makes the difference because when you look at the many who are coming to the Lord, and saying, Lord, Lord, and he says, you know, you get cast in away from me. When you look at them in Matthew 7, what are they saying? They're saying, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done many wonderful works? What are they saying? We are worthy. That's what they're saying. We are worthy. That's the difference. Many come to the Lord and say, we're worthy. Let us into heaven. He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. The other ones, many come from the east and the west and far away, and what do they say? They say with the centurion, I am not worthy. I am not worthy, they go into heaven. I am worthy, they are cast away. See, that's the difference. Okay, now, the Lord says that they're gonna sit down with Abraham in, in verse 11. They're gonna sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, these are the same many, by the way, that are referred to in Revelation 7, 9, Revelation 7, 9. After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, people, tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And this is the group that is spoken of in Isaiah 60, verse three. Isaiah 60, verse three. Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. And then in verse four, Isaiah 64, Isaiah 60, verse four. Lift up thine eyes round about, see, all they gather themselves together, they come to thee. Thy sons shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. This is the blessing of Abraham that's coming to the Gentiles. This is what Paul saw in Galatians 3.14 when he said, Galatians 3.14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And just because a Jewish person who happened to have the name of Zacchaeus, who was 100% Jewish, that did not make him a son of Abraham. It did not make him a son of Abraham. It was only when he repented of his sin, when he was saved from his sins, and then the Lord said in Luke 19.9, Luke 19.9, Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Salvation, not birth, makes a person a son of Abraham, just as it did here with the centurion. But what a tragedy in verse 12. What a tragedy 
of enormous proportions, the greatest tragedy when it says the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the tragedy, but the children is the tragedy. The Jewish people, those who should have been there, this is the great tragedy of the universe, that the children who should have been there are not there. The children of the kingdom are cast into outer darkness. Jewish people are not saved except through the Lord Jesus Christ, except they become like Zacchaeus, like the centurion, like all who said, I am not worthy, and they become saved. Then they come into the kingdom. What a terrible statement, because to the Jewish people pertained the adoption, the glory, the covenants, yet unbelief cut them off, as it says in Romans 11.20, Romans 11.20. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And Hebrews 3.19, Hebrews 3.19, we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And Isaiah 53.1, the first verse in Isaiah 53, which starts out, who has believed our report? Matthew is emphasizing here how many Jewish people reject him while some, in this case, Gentiles received him. They're essentially finding, the Gentiles are finding what the others lost. And then he uses this banquet hall. And the contrast here is the banquet hall, which is all lit up and there's a lot of joy in there, but outside there's outer darkness, which means that they're far away in the darkness and that's contrasted with the light and the joy in the banquet house. The darkness is of a final judgment with no appeal possible. That's darkness. So the image here that he's using is of the prisons in those days. Now, the prisons in those days were not built like our prisons. You know, they didn't have rights groups and all. They were built underground with no light, no fresh air, damp, moldy, filthy, squalid, just everything terrible, no company down there, no comfort, where people just spent their days crying and grief and anguish, the great flood of tears, there's no relief, and they're saying, if only I had, I could have, I should have, if only I had. And when we think about all that regret of the lost, of course, and he's speaking about the lost in hell, it makes us resolve to use our time to, how can, to think, how can we best persuade the lost to be saved? I am resolved, like we just sung. Now, verse 13, he says to the centurion, go thy way, as thou hast believed, then so it be done unto thee. And a servant was saved. And isn't that great? In the self-same hour, just at the right time, he's saved. All right, so what have we seen about this centurion and why he's great? What made this centurion great was that he came out of Roman darkness to the light of the world who was the Jewish man, the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world, when he said to him, my servant is grievously tormented. He was different because he was humble by saying about himself, I'm not worthy, and by feeling too ashamed to even come and speak directly to the Lord, and he sends others. He was different because he reached out with strong confidence in the ability of the Lord Jesus as God to remotely heal when he said, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this man, this centurion, and for his faith and for recording it for us tonight. And we pray, Lord, that we would follow like him and you would say that you're happy with our confidence in you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.